more than ever, I feel the, the weight about, about what I'm about to share. Every, I, I take this so seriously, being able to have the privilege to, to, to speak before you, to preach, to teach, to share my heart, to share what I think God has laid upon my heart to share with you. Because words matter. Words desperately matter to Father God. I know that every time I get up here to, to do this, to be able to stand in this, in this position, my words are held accountable by a holy and righteous God. So I hope you know that I don't take this very lightly. This is a high privilege for me, but it's also a huge burden. And I, and I definitely feel the weight today. And believe it or not, I'm joyful. But I'm overwhelmed by the presence of God right now. And have been for the past couple of days. So much that, believe it or not, I've been pretty quiet. It's hard to talk when you're so aware of your words. So, let's pray. Dear Father, we desperately need you. And I can't do this, but you can. Please come and talk to us today. Please express your heart. Get our hearts in a place that we hear your words. Help me to be a vessel this morning. Empty me of me. Fill me with yourself. We desperately need you, Father. More than anything. More than ever before. We need you. So I ask, Father, that by your grace and and, and by your great love for us, that you will indeed do that. You you will speak to us this morning, because I know you want to. I know you love to. And I know you desperately want us closer to your heart. So I ask for that to happen this morning. For your glory, for your name, and for your kingdom. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I think it's awfully kind of God that we're in the book of Acts for such a time as this. Thinking about where the disciples were 2,000 plus years ago in Jerusalem, one of the most hostile places for a new believer in Jesus Christ to be. You have a civil government, a over-oppressive occupying force that accepts nothing as but what they allow you to do. You have religious leaders who are just as oppressive and violently so towards these new believers. You have most of the society that they are living in against them. And this is where Jesus tells them to go first, to Jerusalem. This is the the, the hotbed of opposition for them. This is not a safe place for them to be. 
Everything seems to be against them. The words that they use and teach and preach are used against them, twisted against them. They are hauled into court doing no wrong. They are threatened. They are beaten. And then they are threatened again and again and again and again. They go around doing miracles, healing people, getting people back into a community of right standing by healing them from the inside and on the outside. And those, those good deeds are seen as evil and they're despised. This is where the church began. In this hotbed of such violent opposition, such evil presented before them. And the church grew. How kind of God to help us study our early brothers and sisters and and their response to such a hard and difficult time. They grew because we've already talked about this. They were of one mind, one passion. And they were devoted to what? Prayer. They were devoted to prayer. They were devoted to each other. The community that was growing and that was being nurtured by the Holy Spirit was strong, committed, and for each other. All out and all for each other. The devotion to prayer. The devotion to each other. Because they were devoted to the Father that loved them desperately. They were devoted to the mission that Jesus had given them. This is why the church grew. Because of their great devotion First to Father God, devoted to prayer, devoted to each other, one mind, one passion, and they would not be stopped. No matter what threat, no matter what opposition, nothing would stop them from speaking the truth, for living the truth, for giving the truth. Nothing. Nothing stopped them. Although many things tried. Believe it or not, I am really excited today. I am really sorrowful today. I am really joyful today. I have such a confliction of emotions that I'm not even able to pinpoint one thing. But I am excited. I'm excited because, you know what? God's light reveals things. The latest decisions have come as no surprise to any one of us sitting in this room. This has not been a Christian nation for many years. This is no big surprise to us. When the enemy reveals his hands and his plans and his strategy, we should rejoice. Because now we understand the fight that we're in. We might not have understood it before. We might have thought it was going to turn out a different way. But now we understand where we are. Just like our early brothers and sisters understood where they were every time they would say, look, you stop preaching the name of Jesus and they said, we can't. And they went out. They understood where they were in the context of their situation, in the context of their community, in the Jerusalem that they were chosen to be in by, by Jesus. They understood this. And so must we. 
You might go into the book of Daniel, please. I'm going to read a few verses for the book of Daniel. Because it does apply to our brothers and sisters and what they showed us in the book of Acts. I'm going to go to chapter 4. We're going to read verse 35. Nebuchadnezzar had been acting like a wild man. He comes back to his senses finally, and he says this about God. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. And he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of earth. None can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? When God moves, he reveals and he cannot be stopped. His plans cannot be stopped. Let's go back to the book of Acts real quick here. Book of Acts, chapter 5, verse 20. Disciples have been thrown in jail again. Angel comes and releases them. God gives them a very specific instruction. Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. Did you ever stop to ponder what that little word, this? Did you ever see that before? Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of This life. What life is he talking about? The life of following Christ. Tell the people what it means to be a Christian in in the face of opposition. Tell the people what it's like to follow Christ and touch people who who were considered unclean. That nobody else would touch. Tell the people what it means to follow Jesus even though your life is threatened. That your security is threatened. This life, the life that you're walking out, that you're, you're boldly walking out, tell the people of this life here in Jerusalem. How you're walking, how you're talking, and how you're living for Jesus. Tell the people of this life, go ahead and stand in the temple. That word stand means to establish. To be firm. And to speak in the authority of the one who sent you. Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. This life that we say we belong to. Stand. But nobody else will. Peter and John, they obeyed. And they were able to speak these words of this life. No matter how popular or how dangerous, we need to do the same. Okay. Verses 27 and 29 of the same, of the same chapter. <laughs> you know, they were in jail. The angel releases them. They get out of jail. They start preaching again. And the, uh, the, <laughs> the Andrews start to say, Pharisees start to say, We're, go, get, go get these guys out of jail. We need to talk to them. And these guys says, well, they're not in jail anymore. They're out in the temple preaching. The guy freaks out. brings them in again. And says, look, you can't do this anymore. You've got to stop talking about Jesus. You just got to. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. 
We must obey God rather than men. Peter and John, the other disciples, they touched people that were unclean. We talked about the crippled lame man who, who for years wanted to get into the temple and couldn't. For 40 years he couldn't. He was considered unclean because of his disability, because of what was wrong with him. Peter and John touched him, lift him up, heal him. He's ready to go into the temple for the first time in 40 years. Time and time again, they were threatened with, with, with and, and are beaten. Threatened that their lives might be taken from them and, and they continue to stand and talk about the, this life. No matter how many times they were threatened, no matter how many threats came against the early church, the church grew. So, I, I start to think about, within well, we have this latest decision, this latest government Decision. How do we respond? Let me go back to the book of Daniel, chapter 10. A little context here. The king has been duped into signing a document that, because the other counselors of the king are jealous of Daniel. They want, they're all out for him. They want to get him. They get the king to sign the, this, this law. That whoever prays to anyone else but Darius is going to be thrown into the dead of lions. Daniel knows that this document is signed. And he says, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had his windows in the upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God at his he has done previously. Daniel knows that these men are watching, waiting for him to get down on his knees, pray, and thank God. He knows what happens when he does this. And nothing stops him from doing it. We cannot react with fear, and we can't react by inflaming the situation. We need to pray. We need to pray. Our early brothers and sisters in the faith showed us devotion to prayer changes things. But first it changes us. I have many opinions about the latest decision. I will not share these with you. I will not share them on Facebook. I will not tweet about them. I will lift up the name of Jesus Christ. I will continuously say that, that the banner of Jehovah Nisi is the only banner that we fly under. His banner over us is love. Somewhere as a document has been signed and, and has pronounced a judgment over our country, and it has pronounced a, a judgment. But our response should be like our brother Daniel and our brothers and sisters 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem. We devote ourselves to prayer and to worship. That is our first response. It has to be our first response. Because we want to talk about 
engage with people and talk about this life. This life that we live. Yesterday we went to Connecticut to go look for some rocks, dig and pound on some rocks to find other rocks. It was fun. We had a good time. Started talking with some other people that were in the, in the middle of this huge forest. And one of them happened to be an atheist. The other one was a Christian, and my wife was talking to him, and he said, yeah, we're all Christians. And she goes, well, I'm an atheist. And, you know, everybody kind of laughed, and she whispered to me, I really am one. I think it's an accident that we go and get lost for about 20 minutes, and, be, and finally find this forest in order to find these rocks so we can bang on more rocks to find more rocks that there's an atheist in the middle of this forest to talk to. Now, I didn't have my Bible with me, so I didn't beat her with it. But she started to tell me her story very quickly. I've been hurt by a church. I discovered science. And I, hey, guess what? I'm trying to be a good person. Why does she tell me these things? Well, and it seems like every time, every APS I talk to, that's what they, that's the three themes of their life. They want to justify their life. And all I did was really listen to her. But what I said, and I answered each one of her, her things, and, and so finally she made an excuse to go over to the next place to dig. And it made me wonder and made me think about that scripture. We have to be ready to speak about this, this life. This life that we think is so precious to us. This, this belief in a, in a God who loves us so desperately. We need to be ready to talk about this life. And we have a wonderful opportunity as a church, as a church and as the church in the United States of America. We have this huge responsibility and this huge obligation, but this is a huge privilege that we have at this time in our history of our country, is to talk about this life. In a new way. Believe it or not, God doesn't really care about our politics. He doesn't care if you're Republican, conservatives, liberal. He, he doesn't care. Not that those things are important. We should engage in the politics of our country. We're citizens. We have the right and the privilege to vote and, and all those kind of things. Yes, we do. But I'm going to suggest if our political agenda takes precedence over this life, we need to correct ourselves. We need to step back and take a look of, of the things we post, the things we say, and the way we interact with people we happen to meet along the way. Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guarantee you today that the conversations are going to increase, not decrease. The opportunities for good honest conversations with people that you can share your point of view, really his point of view, are going to be on the increase, that God's going to do that for us. That God's reveals things. See, this woman's heart was revealed in 30 seconds before me. And she had to try to convince me that she was a good person because she took care of her dog. No, I told her, you know what, that's great. 
that you rescue animals. That's wonderful. That's just like God. So I want to give you a couple of suggestions here. Because I think the second response, our first response is to pray and to worship. To thank God, just like Daniel did. I think our second response is to guard our hearts. Guard our mind. And guard this thing. This mouth. And I'm suggesting these as your pastor, your shepherd, one of your shepherds. Because this is what God has challenged me to be. I have a huge, what you would call a social network. Many people know about it. I have a pretty good sized one. I, people would like to read my stuff for whatever reason. I, so with that pressure that I talked about just a little while ago, about the pressure here, I feel the same pressure there because of it. So if you don't mind, I want to I share some scriptures I think will help guard our thoughts, our attitudes, our mouths, and our hearts. Okay, the first one is in Philippians 4, 5 through 8. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your what? Your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, Whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, and he is, think about these things. And if that's the filter that you're going to run a post through, I think your post changes at the end of it. Okay? James 3.2 All of us do many wrong things. But if you can control your tongue, you are mature and able to control your whole body. This, words matter. Words matter. The way we say things matter. For the the, the writers and the authors in this room, we know this. The way we write something down matters. We know this. We know there's power in the way we convey ideas, thoughts, and feelings. There is a mouth to our heart as well. And it comes out in writing. I write. I love to write. That's why I like social media, because I get to write in snippets. Ideas, thoughts, feelings. These are good filters. Ephesians 5, 15-17 says, Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are what? Evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. If we're concentrating on what Father's will is, that's a good thing. Isaiah 52, 7 says this, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who bring good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. One of the meanings of the word beautiful here means to be at home. You know, it means attractive. It means to, to put on something that makes you attractive. But it means to be at home. 
We need to find the Jerusalem that God wants us to be at home in. Speak to, the, to what this life means to us. To share the story of God redeeming us and bringing us into the kingdom and how that invitation is for everyone. We need to be attractive. It's okay to be attractive if we're attracting people into the kingdom and to the, to the Father who loves them desperately. We do that by lifting up Jesus. You know, I find it very interesting that Jesus doesn't describe what marriage isn't. He describes what marriage is. The best example I can show of that in this life that I live is my marriage with Christine. How I love her. How I show her that I love her. How I am committed to her. How I love her like it says in Ephesians, like Christ loved the church. This is the best way that I can speak to the issue that we are dealing with today in this country is to have the best marriage that I could possibly can on the face of the planet. This is the best way I can speak to it. Because my life speaks, your life speaks of this life. You have immense influence where you are in your Jerusalem. You do. Because if it wasn't true, you wouldn't be there. God has purpose, plans. This is not... A horrible time to be living in. This is an awesome time to be living in. Because we're going to get to experience something that we've never experienced before. And I don't even know what it is. I just know it's coming. And we have a wonderful opportunity to show people what this life is all about. Really show them what it's all about. And it's not a political agenda. It's not a Republican or Democratic agenda. It is a Christ hearted agenda. Today is the day of salvation for people. Today. This day. You might find yourself in the middle of a forest talking to an atheist. You might find yourself in the middle of a supermarket talking to someone who needs to know that good news. God has told us to get out of prison. Leave it. All those shackles, all those things that we think keep us, we need, to get, we need to get out of it and realize that we have been freed from it, set free from it. And therefore, because God has told us to leave that place of imprisonment, that place of whatever it is, whatever we're afraid of that keeps us present, we're afraid of the government, we're afraid of what might happen to us, that I can't talk about this because people might call me a homophobe, they might call me a racist. You know what? They call Jesus worse things. We can't let that stop us. Look, I don't want anyone to think I'm a homophobe. I don't want anyone to think I'm a racist. Of course not. But you know what? If I have a relationship with someone and we have a conversation with someone and I show them that my heart is like Father God's heart, they're going to be less likely to call me that. Why? Because they know me. We have to stop being afraid of being known by the people out there who need to know Jesus. That means, you know, Peter and John showed us it, it, it gets messy when you touch someone who's, who's considered spiritually unclean because they're 
and invalid because they're lame and some pass away. They're not worthy enough to enter the presence of God according to the Jewish mindset. They became instantly unclean as soon as they touched that person themselves. And they were not afraid of that because they knew the truth. That they were not unclean. They were being like Jesus. Jesus. 